Open your Bibles to Job chapter 9. What a great truth in song. Jesus cared that much for me. And uh, I appreciate that. Job chapter 9. Job makes a statement in verse number 2 and then forms the question, I know it is so of a truth, but how should man be just with God? Now take your Bibles and turn to the next page in verse number 32. For he is not a man as I am, that I should answer him, and we should come together in judgment. Neither is there any daysman betwixt us that might lay his hand upon us both. I want to use a new illustration from the book of Job to preach a fairly known truth in the message entitled this morning, Job's Day in Court. Job's Day in Court. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd help me as I preach your word. I have such a desire to preach the word of God, uh, Lord, in a way that, first of all, it could be understood. It be, could be comprehended by every person, children and adults alike. But, Lord, my hunger is far greater than that. I ask, Lord, not just the uh, ability to preach the message, but that it be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Lord, I would preach and settle for a poor sermon empowered by the Holy Spirit rather than to preach a good sermon without the Holy Spirit. And I ask you, Lord, that you'd please bless and your will be done. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. At this point in the story of Job in chapter 9, Job has lost 10 children, all 10 children killed in the same day. Job has lost all of his wealth, and he was a wealthy man. Job has lost his health. He is not in a hospital or an institution of care, but Job's body is visibly covered with sores, the Bible refers to as boils that are running sores. Job not in, in the institution of care, but Job in the city dump, the ash heap. Job trying to find some physical relief for the pain that he is in. Job no longer holds his position in the community. And Job's own friends have come to him and they have said, Job... God is judging you openly for secret sin in your life. Now that wasn't true. Job had not been living in secret sin and he knew that, but that's what his friends had judged because they believed that if you live in sin secretly, God will judge you openly. And that is true in cases, but that was not true in the life of Job in Job chapter 9 and 10 through 13, he is not really answering his friends. But here's the illustration. Job said, if I could just go to God the judge and go to court and prove to my friends and even in my own mind that the trial that I'm going through of my health, of loss of wealth, of loss of children and my condition is not the result of sin and God is not angry with me and he imagined if he could go to court with God and prove that he is innocent. 
but he has a fear. And his fear is presented in these chapters that God is so perfect, God is so righteous, God is so powerful that he could never approach the bench where God was the judge. He wouldn't have a chance of even making a presentation to God the judge. And then he said, if the judge were to ask me a question, I would surely be in trouble. Notice what he says in verse number 3. If he will contend with me, he cannot answer him one of a thousand. I couldn't answer one of a thousand of his questions. Job longs to prove to his friends his innocence. And he longs to even prove to himself the fact that his trial of affliction is not the result of his sin. When Job looks at his pitiful condition, and his condition is as none other. His condition indicates that his friends may be right in their accusations, but he knows different in his heart. He looks and he wonders I wonder if there's any way I could go to court with God and prove my innocence. In Job chapter 9 and 10, he is thinking out loud and he is preparing and he is presenting what he would say to God if God were the judge and he went to trial. And if you read through these chapters, you'll find many words that would relate to a person that is going into trial. In Job 9 verse 3, we have the word contend. In verse number 3, we have the word answer or means to testify in court. In verse number 15, we have the word judge or we have a representative representation of an, an opponent at law or an accuser. Verse number 19, he talks about setting a time as if he had received a summons to court. In verse number 33, he talks about a daysman. Now, a daysman is an arbitrator, an attorney of such, a daysman. He also talks about reason. He talks about uh, ordering his cause. He talks about pleading his case. He talks about being heard. He talks about his adversary or his accuser in court. Job des desires deliverance from his trial. That's what he wants more than anything. Uh, Lord, how long is this trial going to end? I want to prove to my friends that I am not living in sin and also I want this trial, whatever the cause of it is, I want it to come to a close. There are three questions that Job poses in these chapters. Chapter 9, he poses the question, how can I be righteous before God? Second of all, in chapter 9, verses 14 through 35, how could I, not only a man, but a man of no means, a man of sickness, a man that nobody would even want to look at, let alone hear, how could I ever meet God in a courtroom? And then third of all, he said, why was I even born? What, what value is there? Those are the questions Job would like to have answered. Why was, I be, uh, why was I born? First of all, we look at the first question, how can I be righteous before God? This is not a question about his salvation. It has nothing to do with Job being justified, but it's a question about being vindicated. How can he be declared innocent 
before his friends. And also Job wants the confidence in his own heart and his own mind that my trial is not the result of sin, but it is for some other reason. Let me pause right here. If you'll put that and keep that in your mind, you remember why Job was going through this trial, don't you? You see, Satan came and presented himself to God. And God said, have you considered my servant Job? There is none like him in all the world. And Satan said to God, he serves you just because of how good you are to him. And if you took away his blessings, Job would curse you. God said, that isn't true. Job does serve me because he loves me. And, and Satan said, let me take away his blessings and you'll see the real Job. And so he took away his blessings. He took away his health. He took away everything he had. Job proved that he loved God. And may it be true in our lives that we don't serve God and we don't love God just for the things he gives us. And may I say if the only thing God ever did for us was to give us salvation and redeem our soul from hell, it would be worth our praising God until he comes or until we go home to glory. But Job said, Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He proved that he loved God. Nevertheless, in the anguish, in the pain, in the difficulty of his trial, he's trying to figure out how can I get through this? How can I get past this? How can I get those who are supposed to be my friends to stop saying this is a result of Job's sin? And so he said, if I could just go to God in court but he said, I don't know how I could ever do that. He is so powerful. He's such a righteous and perfect and holy God. And here I am, not just a man, but reduced to one that no one would even want to look at, let alone listen to. Most of these verses, in verses 1 through 13, they declare the attributes of God. And he goes through and he talks about how mighty and powerful God is. Take your Bibles and go with me, if you will, to the book of Isaiah chapter 44. Anyone who knew God or knew about God knows that God is great. God is powerful. God is the maker of this world. Not only did God create the world, God is the one that causes all things in our world to keep going. Now, all of this talk about, well, we're going to stop the world and, and we're going to cause a, a global warming and we're going to destroy the earth. Folks, that's in God's hands. I believe you and I ought to be proper stewards. We're not supposed to be wasteful. We're not supposed to destroy. We're supposed to take care of what God's given to us. But God is a creator and God is a sustainer. Notice what the Bible says in Isaiah 44 and verse number 24. Thus saith the Lord, thy Redeemer, and he that formed thee from the womb, I am the Lord that maketh all things, that stretcheth forth the heavens alone, that spreadeth abroad the earth by myself. Job points out the fact that God is so powerful. God is so righteous. If I could have a day in court, but when I think about that and I think about God the judge, I wonder how that could ever be. The second question he surmises is, 
How could I ever meet God in court? And in Job chapter 9, verses 14 through 35, he ponders meeting God in court. And as he does, there are four situations that Job talks about. Hope you'll stay with me until I get to the very point and purpose of the message this morning. He, he surmises this. He, he thinks about this. If God said, all right, I'm going to hear you in court. And God sat down on the bench. What would I say to God? Look at verse 14. Job 9, 14. How much less shall I answer him and choose out my words to reason with him? Whom though I were righteous, yet would I not answer, but I would make supplication to my judge. Now, now may I pause here and say, there are many today that have reduced God to an imagination and sadly almost to a cartoon character. I want to tell you something. God is not uh, a person to be trifled with. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the creator of the universe. He is righteous. He is holy. He is the sinless perfection. He is God. And so he says, if, if God came, what would I say? In verses 20 through 24, he says, If I could declare my innocence, what then? There is no assurance that God would take the trial away. Notice, if you will, in verse number 20 of Job chapter 9. If I justify myself, mine own mouth shall condemn me. If I say I am perfect, it shall also prove me perverse. If I say, God, I haven't sinned, God is so righteous, he knows that isn't true. While I may have attained a standard that's above average for men in the sight of God, I am still a lowly nothing. And if I, uh, if, if I proclaim my innocence as far as man was concerned, still in the sight of God, I'm in the same condition. You see, Eliphaz and Bildad, his friends, they claim that God rewards the righteous and he judges the wicked. Job goes on here to wonder if God doesn't judge and destroy both the righteous and the wicked. And he wavers in his thinking about God, wondering if God is fair. Here's what he's saying. Does man have a chance in the eyes of of an almighty God. The third thing Job says, and then the fourth is the purpose of the message, so I'm getting close here. Hope you stay with me. The third thing is, Job said, if I try to just be happy, I just try to ignore the pain, I just try to ignore my condition, if I just supposed everything was all right, even that wouldn't do me any good. Notice what he says here, verse number 27. If I say I will forget my complaint, I will leave off my heaviness and comfort myself. I am afraid of all my sorrows. I know that thou wilt not hold me innocent. If I be wicked, why then labor I in vain? If I wash myself with snow water and make my hands never so clean, yet shall thou plunge me in the ditch and mine clothes shall abhor me. Job said, if I just tried to forget the pain I'm in, if I wash myself and shave and put on new clothes and I look like everything's all right, 
still within me, there is a misery, there is a sorrow because of the trial I'm in. And the worst sorrow I have is God is so far away from me. He's righteous, he's holy, he's God. He's not just powerful, he has all power in heaven and earth. You understand when God spoke in the days of creation, he spoke this world into existence. And then Job looks at himself not just as a mere man, but a man in the condition that he is in. And then he makes this statement. Job said, if I only had a mediator, if I only had somebody, if I only had somebody that was like God but could understand men, if I only had someone that was like me but could understand God, Look what he says here in verse number 32. For he is not a man as I am that I should answer him. And, he, and we should come together in judgment. Then he says this. Neither is there any daysman betwixt us that might lay his hand upon us both. If God were a man then Job could approach him and plead his case. But God was not a man. God was God, all-powerful. If Job could just find someone that understood him and someone that understood God that could represent Job to God, then he'd be willing to go to court. Somebody could plead his case. Several years ago, I preached in Mexico for the first time. I flew into Mexico City. My goodness, what an what a, what a awesome sight it was as I flew into the city. It seemed like, I mean, you, you could see the city forever. A huge, large city. And I remember as the plane landed and, uh, and, and, and I got off the airplane, all of a sudden it was a different world. All the signs were in Spanish. Everybody around me was speaking a language I did not know. I mean, I, I'm, I'm challenged at Taco Bell to order. I mean, I don't actually know what, what all of that means. It's getting about as bad as Starbucks. I don't understand. I just say, give me coffee, just coffee. They don't even understand small coffee. They want a grande or a whatever, just a small cup of coffee. That's all I want. That's why I go to McDonald's to get my coffee. And, uh, but, but, but there I was in Mexico City, country boy, looking around. I didn't see one sign one sign that I could read. Now I had to somehow get the baggage claim to get my bag. Then I had to make my way to the place where a driver would pick me up and take me to the church where I was preaching. I finally made my way to baggage claim by looking at the pictures and following the crowd. Noticing my back. I remember how out of place I felt. I remember how insecure I felt. I remember I wanted to be home. I finally made it to the, uh, to, to, to the place where my driver picked me up and he said something to me. I have no idea what he said. I spoke to him. Good to see you today. How are you? See I said, I didn't ask you what you could see. I said, good morning to you. And we rode in the car. He smiled at me. I smiled at him. We just nodded heads. I couldn't speak. I couldn't speak to him. He couldn't understand a word of English. I didn't understand a word of Spanish. 
I was hoping and praying, this man is really the man that's supposed to take me to where I'm preaching tonight. He got me there. I met the missionary, Brother Kevin Wynn from America. Oh, I was so relieved. You know why? He could speak English and Spanish. He knew how to say hamburger in Spanish. No onions. He knew what that meant. That's where Job was. Job was, I don't have the words to speak to God. And I can't understand when God speaks to me. If I had a daysman, if I had someone that could understand God and understand me, if I had someone that was like me that could understand God. This morning there are folks here that are deaf. They can't hear and I can't sign. So when I talk to them even now, they're not hearing me. They are seeing the signs that represent the words I say. After the service, when I talk to them, if I talk to them, now I know how to say, let's say, good morning, excuse me. Uh, good morning, that's all I say. And the evening time, I say, good morning. And, uh, <laughs> and they just smile and nod at me. Now, 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 now she is a, a daysman. She is a mediator. She understands sign language, and she also understand, can hear what I'm saying. Job said, if I just had somebody like that, if I had someone that could understand me and tell God the condition that I'm in, if I had someone that could understand God and tell me what God was thinking and what God was doing in my life, can I say, dear friend, that mediator, that daysman, is the work that Jesus came to do. Excuse me while I get excited, but friend, all of a sudden I can communicate with God because I can go through His Son, Jesus Christ, and He can communicate with me because of the Lord Jesus. The Bible says the Word became flesh. You see, this is God's Word, and God speaks to me. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is the mediator between God and man. Take your Bibles and go with me, if you will, to 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2. Let me show you what the Bible says here in 1 Timothy chapter 2. Now, if you've never said amen before in church, you might just in a minute. This would be a good place to get started saying amen right here. Now, look at this. For there's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. You know what the Bible teaches us? The Bible tells us there's no way I can communicate with a righteous God. And there is no way I can understand God in my sinful, in my sinful, fallen, human, and frail flesh. Thank God that God humbled himself and he took upon him the form of a servant. He became flesh and dwelt among men. And that man, that mediator, that daysman is Jesus Christ. And that's how I have fellowship with God. I don't have fellowship with God because I'm good. That was Job's problem. 
I can't present my goodness to God because my goodness compared to His goodness is no goodness at all. My ability compared to the ability of God is no ability at all. However, Jesus came to translate. Jesus came to be my mediator. Jesus came to take my hand down here on earth and reach to the Father in heaven and take His hand and bring our hands together. Thus, I am a child of God through His Son. Jesus Christ. I know it's a simple illustration, but I can't tell you how relieved I was to finally in Mexico meet someone who could speak English and Spanish. But none was so great as the day that I was able to meet God because His Son came from heaven as a mediator between God and man. Take your Bibles and go back to the book of Job in Job chapter 16. Job chapter 16 and go to verse number 21. Job 16, 21. Oh, that one might plead for a man with God as a man pleadeth for his neighbor. Dear friend, what Job longed for is fulfilled in the purpose of Christ. Now, folks, listen to me. We're getting ready to go into the Thanksgiving and Christmas season. You're going to hear Christmas music everywhere you go. Sometimes I want to stop and say, hey, folks, do you understand what they're singing about? They're singing about Emmanuel. You know who Emmanuel, what, what that name means? It means God came to be with us. The Bible says, and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel. You see, Jesus wasn't just a prophet. Jesus wasn't just a priest. Jesus wasn't just a, uh, just a king. He wasn't just a good man. He is actually God in the flesh. And Jesus, the Bible says, was tempted in all points like we are tempted. Jesus knows what it is to be hungry. He knows what it is to be thirsty. You see, he humbled himself and he came to understand the fallen, the, the, the pains and hurts of a fallen man. He understands what it is to be empty. He understands what it is to be emotionally hurt. He understands what it is to be denied by friends. He understands what it is to be sleepy with no rest and can I tell you something God became man and he became our daysman to bring us together let me tell you something else wonderful I get to do the same work that Jesus does by taking someone who believes they have no value believes they have no worth you know it's, it, it's sad the number of folks that are discouraged, depressed, thinking there's no reason to live. It's my job to take them and tell them, there's a God that loves you. He gave his son to redeem you and to give you a new life in Christ. You see, the devil is a liar. The life he promises only brings death. The life he promises only brings destruction. The life that the devil offers in this world, oh, it looks shiny on the outside and it looks bright and it looks fun. But when you get to the inside, you find it's filled with poison and, and hurt and loneliness and pain. Can I tell you something? There's a better life than that. May I take you by the hand and lead you over here to the daysman, the Lord Jesus, who in turn can lead you to put your hand in the hand of God. And that's what Christmas is all about. Jesus, God became flesh, and that's what our work is all about. 
to do the work of a daysman. You know, every time you and I give a gospel track, you know what we're doing? We're working to connect man and God with the gospel. Isn't that a good thing? A God that loves you. But I can understand God. How do I get to God? Here's a connection. Let me, from the Bible, show you how God loves you. And this book, the Word became flesh, Jesus. And it brings the two together. There are folks here today who a short time ago, some just a few hours or a few days ago, you did not know God. You did not know Christ as your Savior. But someone took the Word of God and they took with the Word of God God's hand and they connected it to your hand and they brought the two together. And can I tell you something? Job had his day in court. Thank God Job didn't have to make his own presentation. Jesus was the Redeemer, the daysman. That's why I'm not going to heaven because I trusted in the church or I joined the church. I'm not going to heaven because I got baptized. Baptism is important, but it's a picture of what Christ did. He came and he died on the cross. He was buried and he rose again. And that connects God's hand to my hand as a daysman. And that's the picture and that's the purpose of Christ coming. And church, that's our purpose this week. To tell somebody God loves you. And the way you connected is not for who you are. You could do what Job said and do your best to tell him that you're innocent. But my innocence compared to God's perfection is nothing. Ah, but Jesus. You see, you and I were sinners. How could we ever get that sin debt paid for? Christ went to the cross and he paid that sin debt for us. And by faith, he brought us together. Stand with me if you will. It'd be a wonderful thing if you and I would be a daysman this week. It'd be a wonderful thing if we could tell others what Christ has done for us. What the word did to bring the two together. If you're here today and you've never received Christ as Savior, you ought to trust him today. Just a moment when he sings invitation song, you ought to step out of your seat. You ought to walk down the aisle and tell one of the workers here in the front, I want to be saved today. I want to trust Christ as Savior. You may be here today and you've been saved but never have followed the Lord in believer's baptism. You ought to be obedient in baptism today to let folks know you put your faith and trust in Christ. You're here today and you've been saved and baptized. You're not a member of this church, but you believe it's God's will for you to be. We'd love for you to be a part of our church membership. We'd love for you to come and make that decision today. Maybe you're here as a Christian. You've been saved, baptized. You'll come to the altar and pray. That's what the altar is for. Come and pray and say, Lord, help me to be a daysman. Help me to tell somebody else how they can be connected to God through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, I pray that today you would help us. Lord, first of all, to be thankful that you, Christ, are our daysman. But we, as individual children of God, have the opportunity to share with others that God loves them. I pray, Lord, that you bless this invitation and the decisions that should be made, they would be made this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.